Hi. <laughs> and uh, we trust that all of us will be blessed as we open God's Word. We're finishing up a study in Galatians. And so if you turn to Galatians 6, we're going to be looking at the end of this wonderful book. And we titled the series Awakening Grace because it's been a prayerful outcome of our study is that you and I would be awakened anew to God's grace. And as Paul concludes this letter, he really ties up a lot of his teaching. And if you remember, if we could, if we could kind of put it all together, the whole book of Galatians, we could say justification is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, boasting only in the cross alone. I think that pretty well sums it up. Justifications by grace alone, through faith alone. In Christ alone, boasting only in the cross alone. If we can grab a hold of that, things will be really different in our lives. Verses 11 through 18, I'd like to read these verses. See with what large letters I'm writing to you with my own hand. Those who desire to make a good showing in the flesh try to compel you to be circumcised simply that they may not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. For those who are circumcised do not keep the law themselves, but they desire to have you circumcised that they may boast in your flesh. But may it never be that I should boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world." For neither is circumcision anything nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. And those who will walk by this rule, peace and mercy, be upon them and upon the Israel of God. From now on, let no one cause trouble for me. For I bear on my body the brand marks of Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brethren. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we come before Your Word and before Your Spirit this morning. Empty. Needing You to fill us. Needing You to incarnate truth in our minds. We need to hear Your heartbeat, God. And in doing so, we know, God, that You might upset our world and You might change things. You might call us out from comfortable living. Lord, I pray that each of us would receive that. Would indeed even embrace what You say to us this morning. And so God, have Your way. In Jesus' name, Amen. Paul was radically cross-focused. He stood in contrast to the false teachers, if you remember, as we studied through Galatia, who were self-centered. They preached a self-righteousness, a works-based righteousness accomplished through human performance. That's why Paul's kept talking about circumcision, because it was their contention that they needed to add on to what Christ had done. Understand that Judaizers did believe Jesus died. They believed that kind of started it, but that It was upon us to finish it. In other words, we had to do some things to complete what Jesus started. That was their contention. Paul was beside himself. If you remember throughout this letter, may it never be we're saved by grace alone, through faith alone, through Christ alone, 
It's not Christ plus anything. We've addressed the ensnaring capacity of legalism. Legalism would tell us that we need to follow a list to become right with God. We need to follow a list to become acceptable to God. And Paul says, no, may it never be. So Paul teaches us much in Galatians. And we conclude this letter with some significant things for our life. I came across this quote by John Piper, which I thought really touches upon where Paul is going at the end of his letter. Here's what John Piper writes. You don't have to know a lot of things for your life to make a lasting difference in the world. But you do have to know the few great things that matter and to be willing to live for them and die for them. The people that make a durable difference in the world are not the people who've mastered many things, but who have been mastered by a few great things. And if you want your life to count, if you want the ripple effect of the pebbles you drop to become waves that reach the ends of the earth and roll on for centuries into eternity, you don't have to have an IQ. You don't have to have good looks or riches. You don't have to come from a fine family or a fine school. You have to know a few great, majestic, unchanging, obvious, simple, glorious things and then be set on fire by them. He continued, But I know that not all of you want your life to make a difference. There are many of you, you don't care whether you make a lasting difference for something great. You just want to be people, you just want people to like you. Or if you could just grow up and have a good job with a good wife or a husband and a couple of kids and a nice car and long weekends and a few good friends, a fun retirement and a quick and easy death and no hell, if you could have that, you'd be satisfied. But that's when he said this, that's a tragedy in the making. And it is, I think Paul would agree with that. That's a tragedy in the making when we live for many things and neglect the main thing. I'm convinced that's why Paul wrote what he did in verse 11. That's why it seems he picked up the pen from the scribe. And he says, I I write this in my own hands. Why? Because this is a significant thing. I want you to know that I not only endorse everything probably that his scribe wrote down for him, But now I'm picking up the pen to amen it. I'm picking up the pen to add significance to it. It'd be kind of like if you've ever received a typed letter and all of a sudden the person whose typed signature wrote in his his hand, hey, how you doing? Just wanted to touch base. He added something and he added it in his own hand. It kind of adds a special touch to it. You don't feel like someone sent you a form letter. There's a personal touch to it. It's kind of what Paul's doing. He's trying to emphasize something here to signify the importance of what's being described. And so he writes in big letters. It could have been poor eyesight that he wrote in big letters, but I believe it's more of an emphasis. Because this whole book of Galatians is grace-saturated. And it's Christ-centered. It's cross-centered. This is Paul's passion. And might it be ours. But what does a cross-focused life look like? What does it live, or what does it look like to have a life lived where we embrace the cross and all that it means that Christ came and suffered for us and took upon the justice and judgment of God so you and I can be free and enjoy a relationship with Him? What does it look like to have a cross-focused life? 
Well, for one, it's marked by humility, not pride. Verse 12 through 13. Those who desire to make a good showing in the flesh, they try to compel you to be circumcised simply that they may not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. Trying to make a show. Their life's not marked by humility, but pride. But a cross-focused life, that's marked by humility. The false religion was promoted by these false teachers. These false teachers were motivated by self-interest. Their own agenda. They were braggers who loved to boast. So here's really the question in the letter. Is true faith, true religion, about divine accomplishment or human achievement? If it's by human achievement, then praise the person, by all means. But if it's by divine accomplishment, then praise Jesus. Boast in Him. Boast in the cross. The application is clear. Either we glory in the flesh or we glory in Christ. Pick one. Our culture is wrapped up in boasting. Popularity, intellect, income, job performance, whether we have the only one in town who wears tight jeans. <laughs> Bjorn, love you. If you were at Faculty Follicks yesterday, you saw an incredible performance. I remember some years ago, uh, I just preached the message and, and, uh, and I was done and, and some couple teenage young ladies walked up and they said, could we have your, oh, this was an amazing moment for me, could we have your autograph? I went, now that's a message. I mean, you're bringing it when people want an autograph. And there's a moment I'm thinking, wow, I've arrived. Autographs. That's not a cross-focused life. A cross-focused life is marked by humility, not pride. Are you cultivating humility in your life? You're trying to crucify human pride? How do you do this? You go to the cross. You go to the cross. Because it's there that Christ died and paid the price you could and I could never pay. You see, there's no room for boasting at Calvary. What else does a cross-focused life look like? I think Paul helps us. He says, the cross-focused life boasts in the cross, not self. Look at verse 14, the first part of it. But may it never be that I should boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's one of the verses I memorized early on. And it stays with me, thank God. Boasts is, a, is an interesting word. This particular word's not used a lot. It means to glory in, to make much of, to be consumed with. Makes me ask a question, what are you consumed with? What do you make much of in your life? What occupies your thoughts, your passions, your plans? What are you consumed with? But when you and I are cross-focused, from the center of our soul comes a boasting in what Christ has done for us. Psalmist said, we boast in God all day long. We will praise your name forever. You see, the cross and Jesus is not one thing we boast in. It's the only thing we boast in. That's what it means to have a cross-focused life. Much of modern-day Christianity is cross-less. But Christianity, true Christianity, is cross-focused. 
Now you might say, okay, what's the big deal? Why would we boast in the cross? Yada, 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 Jesus died for me. But what's the big deal, man? There's some things that you and I need to grab a hold of that are significant. The reason we, you and I boast in the cross is because the cross confronts us with the reality of our sin. We are slaves to sin. That's what Galatians 4 was trying to tell us. Over and over. We are dead in our sin. 1 Corinthians, or Galatians 3, 10 through 13. And because we're dead in our sin, because we're slaves to sin, we're unable to save ourselves. It's hopeless. And because of that, we don't need a superficial religion. We need supernatural regeneration. And that's why the cross is offensive, because the cross tells you and I we got nothing to bring to the table. Nothing. I don't care how good you and I think we are. We come to the table before God with absolutely nothing. The only thing we can bring is grace, the work of Christ. That's it. We boast in the cross because the cross confronts us with the reality of our sin. We boast in the cross because the cross comforts us with the provision of a Savior. You see, the world tells you and I, we're okay. Sure, we slip up every now and then, but you're okay, I'm okay. Not a big deal. Unfortunately, many prominent preachers will tell you, you're okay. Just positively think about yourself. You're all right. Bible tells us no. We're hell-deserving sinners. But, but God demonstrates His own love for us. And while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. God comforts us with the provision of a Savior. Because Christianity is not about human achievement. It's about divine accomplishment. And you're not a believer if the cross is one of many viable options to you. There's no other name under heaven in which men can be saved but Jesus Christ. Unless you come through Jesus Christ, there's no hope for you. You're not forgiven. You can't call yourself a Christian. It's only through Christ. Because God comforts us with the provision of a Savior. Why can we boast in the cross? Because the cross instructs us that our security is not in this world. We don't need to fear suffering. Matter of fact, you could say we're free to suffer. You see, what's being done is taking the cross and minimizing it in order to create a Christianity that allows us to be safe, allows us to be comfortable. But that's not the life of a cross-focused believer. God never promises a comfortable life. Matter of fact, God even says it's to our advantage that our life's not comfortable, that we would become more like Him. That we could say like the psalmist, it was good for me to be afflicted. How many of us can say that? It was good that I went through this. It was good that life was hard. Could we say that? You see, a cross-focused life can say that. Because it's focused on what Christ wants in our life, not us. We can boast in the cross because the cross keeps us from wasting our lives in this world. Look at the end of verse 14. Through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. In other words, the world's got nothing for me. I'm dead to the world. I don't think like it. I don't value, like, value what it does. I don't have priorities that the world does. I'm dead to the world and I'm alive to Christ. It keeps us from wasting our lives in this world when we stay cross-focused. When we understand that you and I live for something greater. And we live for something greater because of the One who died for us and rose from the dead. 
And in light of that, Christ becomes everything to us. That's why Paul said the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus our Lord. The cross keeps us from wasting our lives. And we boast because the cross provides us with an abundant life. We've been made new creatures in Christ. We are now ruled by His Gospel. And we'll always be recipients of His grace. And maybe you and I tend to forget that God has not given us better lives because of the cross. He's given us a new life because of the cross. And there's a world of difference. Some of us just want a better life. God says, no, i got something far greater than that. i got new life. And this new life's an adventure. It's what we've talked about in Galatians. It's a life that's free. It's grace-filled. You and I get to run in the fields of grace and experience all that God has for us. How much greater is that life? You and I can boast in the cross. Their cross-focused life, verse 14 goes on to tell us, treasures Christ, not the world. We treasure Jesus. You see, the cross has a present power in our life. The cross has a power to free us from the world's bondage. And when I say world, I speak of the system and the nature of this age. Our position is this. We have been crucified with Jesus already. We belong to Him. So we died. But we live. There's a new I, if I may. The old self has died, the rebellious, the enslaved self. You and I are new. New creation. A new creation that treasures Jesus, not ourself. That treasures the cross, not our human effort. And on account of the cross, the cares of this world, they don't have to crush us. Because we now have a different perspective. Paul's saying, live this out. Live as though this world has nothing for you and that Christ has everything. Romans 8 says, He who did not spare His own Son, but gave Him up for us, how will He also, along with Himself, freely give us all things? In other words, He gave us His Son. Why are we worried about all this other stuff? Will He not freely give us those things? Will He not freely bless us when He's given us His best? You and I are to treasure Christ. There's nothing great, greater we could treasure. If Christ is not everything, don't be surprised when everything falls apart. You and I were made to treasure Christ. And when we don't, bad things happen. You and I are called to die to enticements and the cares of this world, to live as though Christ is your ultimate treasure. Christ is everything. Can you look at the potential idols around you? Money, success, human praise, power, peer approval, ungodly relationships. Can you see them as they are? Pathetic, crucified, dying things. A life that's cross-focused treasures Jesus, not the world. Because only He is worthy of our praise. A cross-focused life also values spiritual transformation, not external ritual. Isn't that really a lot of the thrust of Galatians? The cross has done for us what the flesh never could do. It has done what law-keeping could not do. Chapter 5, verse 6, if you look at that. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything. In other words, why value external ritual? He goes on to say, 
but faith working through love. In other words, new creation, a new kind of love in our life. A cross-focused life values transformation, not going through the ritual. What does the new creation look like? Galatians 2, 19 and 20. Just to kind of refresh you of those two verses. For through the law, I died to the law, that I might live to God. I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, I'm dead. But Christ who lives with me. It's Christ who lives now. In the life which I live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and delivered Himself up for me. A cross-focused life values spiritual transformation, not external ritual. These verses put boasting in the cross and a new creation together. When you and I boast in the cross, we're living with our true identity. Because Christianity is not about being nicer or trying harder. It's about the work of the Spirit in us changing us to become more like Christ. Not only are we saved by grace, we're sanctified by grace. It's all by grace. Like I said, we bring nothing to the table. That's why we boast in the cross. Do you value Christ's work of transformation? Are you sowing to righteousness, knowing God's Spirit will transform you as you do? And how about when you come to church? Do you come because it's the thing to do? Mom and dad made you. Fulfill responsibility. Or do you come to be changed? To leave different than when you walked in the door because of His presence and because of what He's done for you and is doing in you? Important question. What else does a cross-focused life look like? It walks in truth, not error. Verse 16. And those who walk by this rule, peace and mercy be upon them and upon the Israel of God. See, Paul invokes the peace and mercy of God upon those who remain faithful to the truth of the Gospel. This word rule equals standard. He's saying to walk in the standard of the truth, not in error. And Paul throughout Galatians has been passionate about the Galatians walking in the truth of the Gospel. He's warned them repeatedly about erroneous teaching. And he calls this new community of faith, this Israel of God, the Jews and Gentiles alike, he calls them to embrace the truth of the Gospel and to forsake all the error that there is surrounding them. He exhorts you and I to keep in step with the Spirit, to walk according to the truth of the Gospel. And finally, what does a cross-focused life look like? It seeks to please Christ, not man. Verse 17, For from now on, let no one cause trouble for me, for I bear on my body the brand marks of Jesus. Paul could have put, for I bear the pats on the back from all the religious people. After all, he was a Pharisee of Pharisees. He was as religious as you get. But that's not what he lived for. When he met Jesus, everything changed. He lived for the pleasure of Christ, not man. Paul says, let no one cause trouble for me. He basically means I will not allow myself to be troubled, harassed, or bothered by the agendas of other people, especially these false teachers. Instead, Paul seeks to please Christ. He was Christ's bondservant. And when you and I face good, bad, and ugly, if we're cross-focused, we'll embrace it. We'll embrace Christ in even the hard times in our life because we're cross-focused, knowing it'll help us to become more like Jesus. If you ever get to pick up some books, 
A.W. Tozer is one of the authors I recommend. I encourage you to read him slowly. Think deeply about what he writes. These words grabbed me this week. Remembering my own deep imperfections, Tozer writes, I would think and speak with charity of all who take upon them the worthy name by which we Christians are called. But if I see or write, the cross of popular evangelicalism is not the cross of the New Testament. It's rather a new bright ornament upon the bosom of a self-assured and carnal Christianity whose hands are indeed the hands of Abel, but whose voice is the voice of Cain. The old cross slew men. The new cross entertains them. The old cross condemned. The new cross amuses. The old cross destroyed confidence in the flesh. The new cross encourages it. The old cross brought tears and blood. The new cross brings laughter. The flesh, ever smiling and confident, preaches and sings about the cross. Before that cross it bows and towards that cross it points with carefully staged histrionics. But upon that cross it will not die. And the reproach of that cross it stubbornly refuses to bear. You see, a cross-focused life is much, much different than what the world around us would want us to believe it is. It's a, it's, a, it's a cross that we boast in which seeks to please Christ. Not man. It doesn't seek to entertain. You see, when we have a cross-focused life, it's, if it's that life we live for, we'll die to the things that our flesh wants. We'll die to the things of the world that we could please Him who died and rose again for us. We should be ready to face persecution. We probably won't, more li- most likely won't like Paul's, but a pressure to line up with man's agenda is ever before us. But a cross-focused life doesn't give in. It seeks to please Christ above all. I love how he ends this. Because a billion years from now, a hundred billion years from now, we'll still be singing his praises. We'll forever be boasting in the cross. And so what an appropriate ending to the letter. He began with a greeting of grace, and he ends with a conclusion of grace. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brethren. Amen. You and I are called to a life of grace, and to live in grace and to live in freedom is to have a cross-focused life. May grace be multiplied to you and I as we live cross-focused lives. Let's pray. Lord, it, it would appear as I look at my life, maybe there's someone here whose life is similar. It's easy to skip through the kingdom, chattering about much, but never stopping to focus on that which really matters. You've caused us, you've called us to a cross-focused life. A life that focuses upon what you've done for us, not what we do. A life that embraces your grace, not our works. 
A life that comes before you and lays it all on the altar and dies to self. That's the life you call us to. And God, we got to be honest, we want it easy. We really would like it comfortable. At least I think that's what we would want. But then we hear your Spirit woo us to deeper places. Greater places, more abundant places. We recognize this morning that those places are experiences we focus on the cross. May we never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus. Lord, help us as a family to be cross-focused. Help us to impact our community not by focusing on how good Elam is or how, how good anything we do is. Lord, help us trumpet Your work, what You've done, to trumpet Your love, to trumpet Your mercy, to trumpet Your grace and Your goodness and Your kindness. Might we truly, each of us, be cross-focused. And Lord, I truly believe if that's the case, workplaces will change, homes will change, schools will change. Our communities will change because there will be a clarion call for all to focus upon the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Might that be our heartbeat. God, please forgive us because we've got to be honest, we've made life so much about us. We need to be honest that we've really lived for our dreams, for our security, for our ease. We ask for your forgiveness. Please forgive us and cleanse us and help us to live a new life, the life that you have already purchased for us, a life that depends on, leans on, embraces you above all and worships you and praises you, the King of all kings. It's in your name, Lord Jesus, we pray. Amen.